Hello everyone, welcome to the Embers Collective podcast. This is episode 21 with an original story by me, James Boswell, and our lovely Tim Carp on the strings. In the beginning. Bang! Well, it was a bit louder than that, but from that bang, there came everything. From one point in infinite space, everything flew out. Flying further and further into the deepest reaches of the universe. Everything fizzed and whizzed and flung itself about. A right mess, soaring through the universe. Now, if that sounds a bit overwhelming, well, that's because it was. And so, for a bit of reassurance, and frankly, just for a bit of company, everything started to cling to itself. Oh! It's a bit much, this, isn't it? What's that? Well, all this flying and fizzing and whizzing. I hope it slows down in a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, I'm random, by the way. Oh, pleased to meet you, I'm Chance. So random and chance exchanged pleasantries and soon became the best of friends. And over the passing millennia, their conversations turned deeper, trying to work out all the things that were flying past them. All the mysteries that confuse them. Well, it's a right mess. I can't make hide nor tail of it. What's that? Well, I'm not sure, but one thing I do know is if we don't start clearing this up, no one will. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, where should we start? What about this and this? And... There was light, and the light was really bright. Oh, what about this and this? Ah, and there was shade. Oh, oh, good idea. Thanks very much. What about those? And there was colour. I'm not talking about block colour, I'm talking about deep, swirling, mysterious colour. Whoa, I like that. And soon, random and chance had created stuff. There were great swirling masses of gases that soon became great soups of material. And then there was stars and nebuluses and nebulae. And that was only because they couldn't decide which one was grammatically correct. And then there were galaxies. But their favourite thing to make 
was definitely the stars. Because they made billions and billions and billions of them. And that was just in one galaxy. And they gave that one a really cool name called Andromeda. And then there was another galaxy which they called a bit of a fluffy name called the Milky Way. But there were billions and billions and billions of those just stretching out as far as their omnipresent eyes could see. One day, chance was just fiddling with a thing. And you know how you put the things down and you go to make a cup of tea and you come back and the thing isn't where you left it? Random! Random, where have you put the, the thing? Uh, what? Random had actually just been in the corner, sort of playing with a black hole, kind of, you know, putting things in and taking things out again, just to see what it felt like, you know. Oh, sorry, mate, what are you talking about? The thing! I left the thing here. I went to make a cup of tea and now it's gone. Have you moved it? You've, I bet you've moved it. No, I haven't moved anything. You're always doing this. Always doing what? Always putting things down and then blaming me. I am not always doing that. And I, I put it right here. Where have you put it? Mate, I haven't touched it. You've lost it. I haven't lost it. I never lose anything. Where's my cup of tea? Out of the corner of Chance's omnipresent eye, he saw something move. Couldn't quite figure out what it was. Nor had they figured out that they were metaphorical manifestations of conceptual products designed as plot devices to serve a story. Speaking of which, chaos had been there since the beginning. They had a sneaky suspicion he'd been there before then, but there wasn't time to remember because his dharma, his call to being, was deconstruction. And that might sound more precise than you're expecting because chaos, well, he's a bit chaotic. But he always meant to do what he did. It's just that the outcome wasn't always what he expected. And that's what made it so much fun. One day, Chance had been putting the finishing touches onto one of the variations of their favorite thing, a white star. It was the first time that they'd explored this. And they took a step back to admire their handiwork. And to their great surprise, there was another white star right next to it. Oh! Oh, random, look! We've made the same thing. We are so in sync. I can't believe it. Look! What was that, mate? Random had been in the corner again with a, a few black holes this time, but we won't go into that so much. Look! Look, you've made the same thing. We are so in sync. Isn't that lovely? Uh, well, I, I didn't make that. Well, if you didn't, then who? And just for that moment, several things happened. The two white stars had been getting closer and closer together, 
started spinning around and around each other. And the light emanating from both of these had attracted the attention of a very wide-eyed and excited Chaos. Now, Chaos had seen what Chance hadn't, and that was the White Star's potential. Now, that White Star could potentially burn itself out, its core collapse, and then explode its potential load all over the galaxy. Ah, but what if there were two of them? Well, then that potential load would potentially be doubled, and that potential explosion would potentially be... Well, a very exciting thing to see. And so the three entities stood there, holding their breath, as the two white stars circled and circled each other, until eventually they folded in on itself. And then there was silence. Light came streaming out. Shortly followed by sound, who was caught somewhat unawares by exactly how loud they had to be. metaphorical entities stood there with the potential load all over them, breathless. And as they stood there, dripping in conceptual cum, there, inside the great cosmic womb, life was born. And the idea started quite small, but it got bigger and things started to grow legs, and fur, and teeth. Until one day, life took on a form that sort of, well, we would recognize. Made out of stardust. Humans. And humans, like random chance and chaos, had the capacity to look around them and see materials materials that they could use to help them survive. And while they were surviving, they felt, they felt these great forces moving them, forcing them to do things that they wouldn't dream of doing otherwise. Create things that not even random chance could have thought to create. They were moved to be the best versions of themselves under this force. And the way they tried to understand this force was through stories. And so we returned to the heavens. And up there, the stars were having a banging party. I mean, they were having it large. And in through the great cosmic door came the moon draped in the midnight blue shawl 
She was beautiful. And one of the stars ran up to her. Moon, Moon, ah, yes, thank God you're here. I've got someone I, you have to meet. I have been desperately trying to introduce you. Where is, oh, <laughs> look, there he is. Up in the stars, up in the sky, on the rafters. Wait, come on, I'll get him down. Oi, son, come down here for a moment. I want to introduce you to someone. And there, the sun, swinging in the sky, not wearing very much at all, actually, came down and was introduced to the moon. And that great force hit them both right in the face. And years later, the sun and the moon gathered those same stars to a ceremony where they were going to surrender themselves to this force. And at that moment, random chance and chaos looked down and saw something bigger than themselves. Belonging, meaning, and love. Thank you very much, James. That was lovely. Um, that was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Um, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time of the day you're listening to this. Uh, we are goodbye. here in the room with Mr. Tim Corp, who was playing his plinky plonky guitar. Hello. Uh, we are here with Ella Sadie, also known as Arcady. How are you doing, Ella? Hello. And Mr. James Boswell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And myself, Lonan Jenkins. Um, James, can you tell us a little bit about what uh, what went into this story? What what, what motivated you to do it? So, um, this weekend was one that marked the uh, wedding of two very close friends of mine. Two very close friends of ours, um, who wanted the Embers Collective to come up on the Friday night before... Um, the wedding and do a bit of storytelling um, and it's been a while since I've done a bit of storytelling with the Embers Collective so it was an extra honour to get back into the saddle and uh, I decided that I wanted to write an original story for um, Sol and Alex or Solex um, who are not only my housemates but Sometime employers, sometime um, therapists, sometime <laughs> uh, chefs, sometime massive cuddle puddle initiators. They are um, just super good friends to me, and I feel incredibly grateful that they are part of my life. So, this was one of the ways I wanted to show um, my gratitude to them. So I wrote them a story, um, yeah, uh, which is something I really like to do, and it sort of came about through several several sort of things mulling around my head for a long time. Um, I'd been to uh, not um, a, a few sort of embers uh, events where 
creation stories had been shared and um, the Big Bang sort of was never never really put into mythology, strangely being such, I suppose, a new concept, but also like trying to work your head around the, um, the, the particulars of the Big Bang. <laughs> um, for me, uh, we're never going to make a very sort of mind-blowing story um, unless you made them um, relatable. Add, so add the human element. Add the human element. Yes. The fuck out of it. Do that wonderful metaphorical thing where you can turn a concept into uh, a being that speaks to you. So random chance and chaos um, I felt were playing big parts of of you know all these things that have come out of the universe that um well frankly you know i i have no idea how they all put themselves together like who did that and, and why and if there is a creator um thanks that's really sweet cheers <laughs> um i really like broccoli more of the same please um <laughs> Well, broccoli is the one thing you'd want to give I it specific just, props I for. I just know that I need some broccoli in my <laughs> diet right now. I could really do with that sweet, sweet iron. Um, but also, like, the, the way sort of scientists are trying to, um, you know, debunk or... Is that the right word? I don't think that's the right word. But, you know, explain things because they're just curious. And I, I share that curiosity. What I don't think I share is the um, patience to sit there with numbers and put them in the right order. So instead, I wanted to turn it into an adventure story. Luckily, um, you don't have to do the numbers thing. Exactly. Yeah, I think if you'd have done, turned up to the wedding with a story um, that was just theories of, you know, yeah. the creation of the universe in a very sort of mathematical sense, I'm not sure it would have had the same impact on the... Uh, on an yeah, event, um, no. Sure well, I wouldn't would have, have cried. Yeah, I, I was going <laughs> to say, I don't think the tears would have happened. I think, yeah, maybe tears of frustration. I don't know. <laughs> uh, just, just general, yeah, flashbacks of um, GCSE science. But Brian Cox uh, manages it. Brian Cox, you know, and to be fair, with that voice, I mean, he could tell me anything and I'd be enthralled. Um, so you read perhaps Wikipedia there was. pages to me and I'd be like, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So why not use what he has? Um, uh an understanding of the greater elements of the universe and what I hope I share with him in a sense of performance. So, yeah, so I, I decided to um, do a creation story and Sol and Alex, among our friendship group, have all for a long time been referred to as the sun and the moon and we've enjoyed using that metaphor um, uh, to mean them and then it's sort of just kind of fit that the sun and the moon were waiting to have a creation story put behind them, and we are, as their friends, their stars, um, which also ties in nicely with their engagement rings, which Lernan Jenkins knows quite a lot about because he was their celebrant for the weekend. Um, is a brief story about the engagement rings? Yeah, well, both their engagement rings and their, their wedding rings, actually, but the engagement rings were made up of three bands... Uh, one with yellow gold representing Sol as the sun, one with white gold representing Alex as the moon, and one with silver representing the stars. And their wedding rings 
had a similar thing, but with moon and sunstones in them and silver. So yeah, it's just so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. What's a moon? What's a moonstone and a sunstone? They're just gemstones. Mm. Yeah. Gemstones with different properties, um, mm. and yeah. The That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. See, <laughs> see, yeah. Reference. We can put those in the uh, in no, the bio. Probably won't. Link in the bio. <laughs> but probably won't. But um, you were, you were, when you were writing it, you were, like, you were still trying to make sure you had that nice um, element of sort of science and fact stuff going through it. Like you were asking me questions, like, is it a supernova or a, a red dwarf? And I was like, what? Don't know, James. <laughs> yeah. So sure. therefore, the power of Google can inform any story. Yeah, is it billions and billions of stars, or billions and billions and billions of stars. How many and billions? I've got to get you know, at least a little bit of it right. Um, so yeah, so research went through it, but I mean that was that was half the joy of the story. I just so it's a bit of stoner science in my head. Like you know, you just sort of I often am amazed at the complexity of the universe with which we live in and. The somewhat blasé nature of how scientific communities um, kind of can simplify this amazing concoction of, of elements and mm. particles and things, and um, and call it a star, and what we as humans have called stars for, well however long language has been around um how our like base need to name that sparkly pretty thing in the sky a thing has then been explored to a point where people know exactly what it is how far away it is how it is burning how long that light takes from its center of burning to reach us and our retinas and the fact that that's been doing that for however many billion of years to the point that that point of light has now imploded in on itself and created something completely different. But we're still seeing the light because it takes that long to come. And then also all of the things that are on our planet and precious things to us like gold and platinum were made only because a star exploded at some point out there and it sort of rained down on to where we are in in a giant mass of nowhere. I just, I can't fathom it. <laughs> SARS. Um, Is that what you meant by the, what did you call it, your cosmic, cosmic... The cum. great cosmic womb. Oh, there's, yeah, lots of conceptual cum. <laughs> the potential load of stardust that landed in the... Um, the cosmic womb and created really life. I like what they do in, in um, astronomy, which is, I actually read this in a Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson book, which, but on, with regards to scientific names on Earth, we have really complicated Latin and Greek names that no one ever remembers. But in terms of astronomy, they have super simple things because he says, because they're complicated enough, like <laughs> black hole, yeah. red dwarf, uh, shooting star, like they, they have such simplified names mm. and this, yeah. I love that. I really liked that. That's really lovely, yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's... Yeah, that has an element of what I wanted to do in the story. It's like, let's have the, you know, the simple name of a star and let's just appreciate the complexity that we're all... You know, we all know behind it. But then um, mm. anthropomorphizing the whole 
um, shebang to make a lovely story that um, ties in the anthropomorphizing of the sun and the moon as Solix as well. Mm. Yeah, I love the way you um, talk about the galaxies in the story hmm. of like the Milky Way, which is such a yeah. I mean, it's wet so nice. Name? <laughs> Did you say fluffy? Lovely. Fluffy, fluffy name. Yeah. It's a lovely name, isn't it? But then there's another galaxy called Andromeda. How exciting is that place? That sounds much more exciting. Let's go there. It's probably where Star Wars was. Exactly. Well, I don't know. I think they've got a name for that one. Yeah, it's called the Galaxy Far, Far Far Away. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's exactly what it's called. How far away is Andromeda? (laughs) Well, it's not that far away. It's just far away. It's just far away. Not Um, far, far away. Donan, did you want to talk about your new... Your new profession at all? <laughs> yes, I would love to. Um, I recently trained, uh, finished my training as a humanist wedding celebrant. Um, so I am now accredited by Humanist UK to conduct marriages. Um, and Human marriages, not canine marriages. Not canine marriages, which which I <laughs> did get a request for. Um <laughs> Um, and my uh, and my first my first wedding was was um, to have the absolute honour and privilege of marrying my two uh, two my best friends, um, surrounded by pretty much all of the rest of my best friends, um, and it was yeah it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it was it was something very special to be part of, and I bawled my eyes out from the first moment I even started. Can confirm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's really exciting. I've got another wedding in a couple of weeks, which is going to be um, very special and wonderful too. And yeah, it's a, it's a very exciting job. I, I get the opportunity to help people celebrate love how they how they want to celebrate it. You're doing a bit of storytelling, basically, isn't it? Yeah, You're doing the stories of their of their meetings and their love. Yeah, the ultimate form of storytelling. Yeah, and it feels like it follows on very nicely from from Ember's stuff in terms of holding space and in terms of creating that ceremonial aspect and like mm. you said telling that story and presenting it in a way that is 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 genuine and heartfelt um and not not just kind of performance just you know with not a lot of thought behind it putting mm. that thought and effort and emotion and and love into it and care um and and it was it was wonderful to do that for for Sol and Alex yeah which you did extraordinarily as well it was um from storytelling to a, a ceremony which, uh, yeah, like you said earlier, it was heartfelt, poignant, meaningful, and um, just an absolute joy to see um, a friend marry two other friends as well. Mm. Yeah, great job. Thanks, guys. Lovely. All right. Nice. Uh, um, Ella, you wrote a poem for them as well, didn't you? I did, which, we, which I did on the Friday evening. <coughs> um which we, I was lucky enough to perform as part of Embers mm-hmm. in that little little moment, first time. First Embers sh- show, well done. First Embers yeah. show oh, for, for a, a very personal poem about two of my favourite people in a in a love, most beautiful setting. I think one of the most beautiful ways I've ever read a poem before. Um, just like surrounded by people who love them so much and who like kind of understood every part of the poem that I wrote because I wrote what I did is I I wrote a sestina for Sol and Alex um and for those of you who don't know 
a sestina is a it's a form of poetry where it's made up of six stanzas and an envoy and um there are six words that are repeated in each stanza but in a different order every time and they have to come at the end of the word so it's actually quite hard to write um it's just throwing that out there did good. Did good. Did all right. Did all right. I mean, I mean, I took a bit of leeway with some stuff, but yeah. um, I actually I asked Sol and Alex to provide me with the six words, um, and they didn't quite. They didn't. I think they definitely knew slash guess I was writing a poem, um, and that I would perform it for them, but they didn't know what the words were for. I just asked them for six words, and in true um, big Al style. They provided me with eight. <laughs> and I'm glad they did because two of the words they gave me were um, inclusion and welcoming, which I omitted from... They don't rhyme with anything. Not Nor, and also they're quite... Because bearing in mind, each Boring. word has to be used at least six times in the... Seven, seven times each in the poem, um, in each stanza. And there's only so many times you can use the word inclusion where it, where it sounds okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, doesn't end up sounding exclusive. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Um, but the words they did provide me with were um, sun and moon, obviously. So there was a lot of that going through my poem as well. And um, I actually performed mine after James did his. And everyone got up and left because they were like, that's it. That's all done. <laughs> that was a beautiful story. I'm good. And then we had to coax everyone back because there was a second half. Everyone just needed the loo needed really the loo. badly. Yeah. Yeah. And some sure. brought more stew out as well. So yeah. More food. And um, but they, yeah, sun, moon, play, um, family, love and adventure were the six words that they gave me and, nice. and there was a lot of that on the weekend as well there was so. which has only just just gone at time of recording so mm, yeah. how we're was all it still very much interested like how how it was to write something f- for this how, how does it differ writing something for your friends than it does for say a show that you're going to do mm. or something that's just a, for you there must it must be a difference in like in an how... added pressure. I must admit, I don't, I, I couldn't figure out whether or not it was the fact that I just hadn't performed with the Embers for a while, or whether it was the material that I was trying to uh, deliver. But I, I hadn't been that nervous in a long, long time mm-hmm. before telling a story. Um, but then, getting up and just standing in front of um, the audience that we did have. Um, was yeah incredibly humbling and just ended up feeling very much like I was held and uh, supported and um, it being a live performance there were interjections and uh, you know and ways that the audience interact with you that um, you've just got to ride with and and actually that gives you more energy to tell the story as well so that was a very it was, the actual performance of it was an incredibly wonderful experience. Yeah, it was a fantastic audience. It was a, I, I thought it was the perfect balance between people joining in and taking part and, and shouting stuff out, mm. but also when needed to just like we're quiet, r- we're quiet and respected and let us carry on. And, and it was really great because sometimes you can get like, you know, festival audiences where they're just literally like contributing so much that you can't actually continue with the story. But... <laughs> Um, this was this was great. It was, it was a lovely bunch. Yeah, 
Um, for me, um, I mean, a lot of the reason that I write poetry is is kind of to understand how I feel about something. Um, I think the structure of poetry is quite, it's a really good way, for example, of like um, getting your feelings out. Um, and I love, for example, like using things like Sistina's or um, sonnets or like really, really specifically structured poems um, or forms. Um, it can be a really good way of like kind of understanding um putting your thoughts down in a way where it has to have a beginning, a middle and an end, and it has to make sense and it has to go form in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually I kind of, I, I write a poem to kind of understand how I feel and I go, oh, okay, cool. And then every time I perform it, um, that little part of me, like, um, it gets a bit, get a bit more cathars- catharsis. That's, the, that's mm. how you say it. Mm. Cathartic. It's a bit more cathartic every time I perform it. So writing this one was a really interesting creative exercise um, which I think, which is what you said just before I performed it. Um, and um, it was very, very different to how I normally write because I was very much trying to like bring the energy and the personality of Sol and Alex into the poem. And it wasn't about me, mm. but that also gave it one of the nice, that made it one of the nicest things I've written in a while in the sense that it wasn't about me. And I got to completely mm. like relinquish all of my thoughts and feelings and what I was feeling and kind of just really focus it around them and I think that came into the poor performance aspect as well because I was quite nervous getting up on there just because instead of going on a stage where you don't know anyone and you're just like here's something I wrote and I don't mind what you think I was like there's so much more yeah. kind of like not pressure but like <clears throat> riding on it I guess because um, you want it to be you want it to go down well because you wrote it for a specific reason and with yeah. your heart and all of that kind of stuff Um but I think it was actually, I think it was Sol's mum, Jan, who was saying, like, I think she came up to me and said, like, you know, it's not about you. That sounds like she said it in a bad way. It wasn't a bad way <laughs> at all. Um, but like, you know. Not all about you. <laughs> no, in the way, like, it's for, it's for them and through the performance and that energy that you had, like, it's not, it's not about how I perform it. It's about how I want them to see it or to hear it. And I think that really helped and made mm. it all the more special and all the better. And I think it went down pretty well. Yeah, it's, it's such a, what you were saying about having the rule, like the, the, uh, fu- the, the systema mm. or the sonnet, these guidelines to write within, I find that so useful sometimes as well, mm. because you're sitting, you know, you sit down, you're like, right, I am going to write today. <laughs> What? Yeah. What? The, but as soon as you have like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like you know, for for me, I'll be like, okay, I'm getting nowhere. Right. Uh, I'm gonna write something that has this rhythm, or I'm yeah. gonna write something that is focused on this theme. Or, yeah. And as soon as you take, it's kind of taking the pressure off yourself. Mm. Well. Yeah. But that that exists in so many places. It exists in like traditional dance as well. I notice that they have these really simple. Um, you know, say in Greece, for example, mm. you have this circle dancing, and it's really simple. You have a few steps, which are your rules, but within that, you can you can improvise and you can explore so many different things. And you see people doing like mad shit, but they're still mm. within this like very um, yeah. specific uh, routine. Mm. Or, You've got the structure that you can build on. Yeah, yeah. I, I like think, like for example, if you compare it to something like journaling, or if you're just writing a no- I mean, normal poems or poems without structure can work just as well but if you for example like I do a lot of free writing 
as well, stream of consciousness, consciousness and journaling. But in terms of when you're actually trying to get something out and build something that means something, when you're, um, I find that like you don't always get there when you're free writing or when you're journaling because you're just rambling which is fine fair enough but then when you have to put it into a structure when it has to make sense and when you have to when other people have to also gain something from it it makes you consider your thoughts a lot more with a lot more depth and I think that's yeah sense that's of something. care and yeah craft I suppose in the end yeah I think so yeah cool thanks guys that was a really amazing story James thanks for Thank you, James. Coming and performing Thanks, for James. us. Thank you for listening. Um, to it again. Yeah. Nearly made me cry again. Nearly. To no. try a bit harder next Damn. time. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap it up there. We'll see you next time for some more Embers podcasts. Mm. Bye. 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 Bye.